Well, we, uh, we are in the book of Acts, and we have been uh, studying that for a little while now. And uh, we're excited about uh, our time this morning. What we're going to do is pause a little bit and reflect back on the first seven chapters or so that we've gone through. Uh, so kind of take what we call a prophetic pause to instead of just keep going through the book to, to really reflect. And I wanted to start with a picture. This is a picture of someone famous. You may know this person or may not. I assume you recognize that as Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali. My uh, daughter teases me quite regularly because she says I have a man crush on Muhammad Ali. <laughs> I do. I think he's pretty awesome. And... Um, The interesting thing about Muhammad Ali, he's famous for some of his speeches, he's famous for some of his poems, but on one particular occasion, this was in uh, 1975, so for some of you, you weren't even around. (laughs) Um, For others of you, you uh, were just being born, but in 75, he was speaking at the Harvard Commencement Address. And he was uh, declaring to all the senior class that they could go out and capture the world, that they could go out and live their dreams, that they could be all that they were created to be, that they should use the value of education that he didn't have to uh, see great change happen. And he gets done, and everybody claps, and the story says that there was this exuberant senior in the first couple rows, and he stood up and he yelled really quick, give us a poem, give us a poem. Because Ali is so famous for it. And so Ali kind of hushed the crowd for a moment. And he pointed to himself and he said, me. And then he pointed to them and he said, we. And that was the end of the poem. Me, we. Now, it's the Guinness Book of World Records shortest poem ever. You can look it up. But he was later asked, what did that mean? What was his point? What is he trying to communicate? And very simply, what he was trying to communicate is that my story, the story of who I am as an individual, is connected and tied to your story. That together, something more powerful can happen when we recognize our stories are interrelated. So it's not just the story of me, but also the story of we. So the question I've been asking myself are these kind of questions. When does your story become my story? Or another way of saying it is, when does my story become yours? Yesterday, I was riding in the car with one of my sons. We were coming back from a soccer game, and we were just talking about the game and talking about life and talking about dinner and things that were coming up later. And all of that time, I just kept thinking of stories. That we are in the midst, my son and I, of living out stories together. Someday we'll look back and go, you remember that time when we did this? Because it's a connected story, a thing that we both experienced together. And what was interesting, we got into this conversation about the prodigal son in the midst of our Cairo ride home. And we talked about that story, and we made it our story. When have we been like the prodigal son? When do we see ourselves acting out this same story? And so what we're doing is we're connecting our story to each other, and then connecting our story to a greater story. And we find that stories are most powerful when they move it from me to we. Stories become infinitely more powerful when they go beyond just yourself to others. And that idea of shared stories is seen often in the book of Acts. In a lot of ways, that's uh, what, as we've talked, that's what's so powerful about the book of Acts, is that their story is, in fact, our story. So obviously we're in a different culture, we're in a different context, and things look different, but the church that they were living back then is continued to the church that we are living right now. Their story is our story. Me, we. It's a pretty cool way to think about the book of Acts, and a pretty cool way to read the book of Acts in a lot of ways. The idea of having things in common is one theme that comes up often uh, as we've read through this first seven chapters. It says it uh, a couple of different times, chapter 2, chapter 3. When you read this idea of having things in common, it's obvious that the church uh, placed a, a very significant value on the idea of having all things in common. That for the first century church, this was a value that they held 
very, very tightly to them. What does it mean to have all things in common? What does it look like for our community to live with all things in common? We found uh, this quote, which I think is um, pertinent for this morning. Let me read it. I got a I used 10 types, so I can barely read this here. But uh, The portrait of the church in Acts, therefore, are not primarily models of unreachable ideals, but normative for the church to be the church. To act differently means to be less than what the church is to be. Through the practice of sharing possessions, the believers were materially expressing something deeper that was essential to their being the community of Jesus. Western Christianity, and especially our American brand of Christian religion, has privatized religion to the extent that we cannot legitimately call it Christian, at least, I think, from a biblical perspective. This privatization of Christianity is in direct opposition to the original call of Jesus, who, although calling individuals to follow him, called them to a social community in which they were formed by his character and the spirit, and in which they found new existence and identity. I think it's easy to read Acts to see that these people were having all things in common and want to chase after that idea. It's the sexy idea of what if we all had things in common? What if we lived with that type of fervor in our faith? But if we were truly honest, having all things in common is an incredibly difficult endeavor, at least in the way that they were living it out. But because it's difficult, I don't believe means we just remiss it as something that can't be done, as something that we shouldn't really chase after. And that's why that quote is so powerful to me. Our privatization and individualization of Christianity is less than what Christ intended for us. That should hit us pretty hard. So if it's less than what Christ intended for us, why don't we chase after more? Why don't we strive for more. So Jesus brings up this idea several times in his teachings. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, and you can turn there if you want, it'll also be on the screen. Matthew chapter 25, around verse 34 or so, says that then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And you see that, and then they start to ask the question, well, like, when did we do that? When did that happen? And he begins to tell this story, and what he's really doing, I think, and this is where I'm struck, I'm struck by the statements he makes, where he says to... Um, to the people that you're going beyond just tangible needs. You're actually meeting other types of needs. So to the hungry, food was given. To the thirsty, drink was given. But then if you notice, you've probably seen this all before, that to the sick, he didn't make them well. To the sick, he visited them. To those in prison, he came close by. We get this idea that there's something more happening at a deeper level. It's more than just meeting the tangible needs. So having all things in common is deeper than just giving away money or donating clothes or sharing my lawnmower with someone that needs to borrow it. Having all things in common is living with authenticity. It's living with this sense of withness, being a community together. And it's sacrificing the betterment of something that I have for someone else. This idea we see echoed throughout all of Scripture. There shall be no poor among you, it says in Deuteronomy. The idea of not gleaning to the edge of the field to leave some leftovers for the poor. Inviting the poor to the banquet. Taking care of the widow and the orphan. And in fact, if you read the Gospels, a significant portion of Jesus' teaching is directly connected to this idea of meeting the needs of others. Now, Not all of these are speaking solely to financial resources or meeting the needs of others financially. And in fact, even the examples from Matthew 25 were not all financial, as Russ just spoke. Some were financial and material, with the food, the water, and the clothes. But there's also a relational and an emotional element to this. To come and visit somebody, to come and be with somebody, to welcome somebody into your home, 
These are emotional and relational ways to meet the needs of others. I think all of us get the idea, hopefully, of what it means to have all things in common, or this general idea of what Jesus and perhaps the people in Acts were living out and demonstrating and experiencing. But it's one thing to know it, and it's another thing to actually begin to practice it. So Kevin and I sat down and just started coming up with what are reasons why we don't actually have all things in common? What are reasons that maybe Kevin and I don't have things in common with each other, or reasons we don't have it in common with you? Here were a few that we came up with. One, we're afraid to admit our own needs. This might be one that resonates with you. I know it does with me. Where, where I seem to find myself sometimes is just hesitant, hesitant to share, as they were just doing, sharing needs that are, that are present, that are real, that are right in the moment. And I often have them, but I'm afraid that if I share them, what ends up happening is I in some way admit weakness. And so I withhold. Second one. It may just be a lack of trust. Trust that God can actually meet our needs. You see, it's one thing to say that I trust God to meet my needs, and I feel like we throw that out a lot in our casual conversations. But to live with that type of peace, to quiet your anxiousness in that way, to truly believe, to truly trust that God can meet your need, I don't know we do that all well. Third one we came up with is we're just maybe perhaps unwilling to sacrifice to meet someone else's needs. We're so consumed with trying to stay ahead of our own. How do I meet my own emotional needs? How do I meet my own physical needs? How do I provide for my family? How do I... And we get all this list of things we're trying to capture or chase after. And we might recognize the need of someone else, but man, if I meet that, then what happens if I don't have something left over? And the last one, and there are inevitably more than these, but another one that we came up with, the last one we'll share this morning is maybe we're not even a part of the community in the first place. Now, you may sit in this room and feel like you're a part of the community, but maybe you're not. If you don't know the needs of others, can you truly say that you're a part of it? We have to wrestle with this idea of, am I a part of this community enough to actually care about other people's needs? The person that's sitting right next to me, who I may not know, but do I believe so deeply in this, do I believe so deeply in loving my neighbors that I care what their needs are, and I would act to meet them. It would be great to have some passages to teach on this, and there are a number. We could go through the scriptures and and look at all of the different ways that we're instructed that we're called to meet the needs of others. But as Russ said earlier, I think sometimes the best way to approach something like this is instead of learning more about this idea, is actually practicing this idea. Maybe hearing from stories of others who have practiced this idea. Because I can say that if the church has done one thing great, it's been educating people. But if we sometimes are guilty of something, the church, we, it's actually practice the very things that we're instructing. Practicing the very things that we're educating people in. So, we're going to provide a few examples of what uh, meeting needs of having all things in common might look like this morning. So I uh, decided I would start with a personal illustration, a way in which uh, our family moved from the idea of me to we. Uh, Several years back, um, technically four years ago now, um, my wife and I adopted. This is a picture of our daughter, Evie. Um, Squishing Mason behind her. (laughs) But uh, Evie is just the most unbelievable little girl, and she is changed our family in so many ways. And um, I remember we were going through the whole adoption process, and it it can at times be quite long. And uh, for those of you that are around people or you yourself have adopted, you know that can also be quite costly. There are kind of fees and all these things that kind of jump up out of nowhere at times. And uh, remember, we were in the middle of it, and we weren't sharing any of our financial needs with anyone. We were just trusting God's going to provide, and we'll just keep praying, we'll just keep moving forward. And I remember this time where uh, one of the leaders of a small group came up to me and said, hey, we were at group two nights ago. We were just talking about your adoption coming up, and someone said, you know, there's a lot of fees involved. So we just 
started writing checks, and here you go. And it was money to just help pay for the adoption. It was never asked for, but it was given freely, and we took it. And when we look at Evie, we don't just see that it was me or my family that had adopted her. We look at it and we go, it was we that had adopted her. And that there are other people that are a part of that story, and that story becomes more powerful. Why? Because it's a community story. It's not just my own individual story. So that's one example. Kev's got a couple more. Another example. Uh, we have a, a young couple in our church, Paul and Bree, and a need about a year ago was presented to them. We presented it to the whole church. We said we need more child care workers. We need people to, to go and volunteer in kids' community and, and serve back there to care for our children, to instruct our children, to love our children. Paul and Bree are a young couple. They don't have kids of their own, and frankly, they don't have any vested purpose back there uh, other than they're a part of this community. And so they responded to that need, not just saying, hey, we'll, we'll serve back there maybe once a month or once every couple months, but said, we're in, and we're in every week. So every week they come to the 9 a.m. service, and then they stay through the 11 o'clock service and serve back there. An incredibly tangible way that they served. And what I love so much about the story is it doesn't end there for them. That for them wasn't there, okay, so I have my all things in common box checked off. <laughs> I've served back there. It can be done for the week. But another need came up. The need was to clean and sanitize the toys that all the kids use in, the three, in our three different child care rooms on a regular basis. The person who was doing that before was no longer able to do it, and that need was presented, and they said, you know what? We can meet that. We can meet that need. We have all things in common. And so they have now mobilized their small group to come here on a regular basis and go through all of the toys in our kids' community, in our toddler room, in, our, uh, in with the little kids and the infants, and clean all of the toys. It's a really, really beautiful way of saying, hey, our story is this story. We're willing to step in and to serve, to have all things in common, even if it doesn't necessarily benefit us. Another one, I heard of a small group lately or, or recently that had uh, a guy in their group who he was uh, not from here but from uh, the Midwest, and there was a significant family situation that had arisen. And he is maybe the one person in his family that uh, is, is stable. And the family needed him to get home, but he doesn't have money to go and uh, take the flight back there. It's about, it was, uh, he needed to be there soon, within a couple of days, and it was looking like it was going to be a $700 round-trip flight. And so his small group, through a series of texts, in the course of about 16 hours, was able to come up with over $800. He never asked for it. He didn't think he could go. But he was able to get a call that next morning and say, hey, feel free to book a ticket for this weekend because your ticket is completely paid for. It's a beautiful expression of having all things in common. There are, uh, there are other stories that we, could, that we could point to in our community. But here's where the tricky part comes in. We have been wrestling over the last little while with saying... It's one thing to talk about this, it's one thing to encourage this, but maybe it's a whole other thing to actually do this, to practice this. Now you know that occasionally Kevin and I come up with really stupid ideas, and this may be one of them, or it might be one in which we sense the Holy Spirit really leading. There was a little while back we taught in the book of James, and as we came to this section on prayer, we taught for about seven minutes on prayer, and then we just said, the rest of the service we're going to pray. And we did it in all kinds of different ways at different stations and praying over one another. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to say we have all things in common. We're one body. We're told to operate as a body. We're told to meet needs. We're supposed to take care of one another. And so what we're going to do for a little bit of uh, time, we're just going to open it up and meet needs. We are. We're going to do it. So even if uh, you're visiting with us, this might be uh, quite a change of pace for you. Uh, but let me give you an illustration that can help you kind of see what, we're, what we mean by this idea of meeting needs. Um, my good friends, Patrick and Lisa Lorden, many of you know them. Uh, they're elders here at the church. And uh, Lisa is going through a battle with cancer right now where she's uh, in chemotherapy and uh, just 
having all the effects that come with that. And uh, this church has been providing in all kinds of ways, whether it's meals or just support and care. But there's one need they have that I thought I would bring to the group. And that need is this. This is, this is Daphne. Okay? Daphne is their dog, and their dog has a crap load of energy. <laughs> just <laughs> wants to like, be out and running, and when you're in the midst of chemotherapy treatment or taking care of your wife, it's kind of getting shoved off to the side, and nobody's walking Daphne. And so, very simply, we just need people to say, hey, I have 30 minutes. I have 20 minutes. I could walk Daphne. I could show up at your house, throw a leash on, run around the block a couple times, and then drop her back off. Simple as that. So what we'd love to see happen this morning is just to have people from this community toss out a need, and then we as a community respond. There we go. Okay. This is exactly what it's like. Okay. Once a week, three to... Look at this. Beautiful. So let me break in here. First of all, thank you for, for setting the stage, because here's what I think maybe some people were thinking. Man, I hope that need gets met. <laughs> Probably some thought... <laughs> I need to walk my dog when I get home. <laughs> Some of you maybe didn't even hear you heard dog and you immediately kind of tuned out and said, well, that's not one that I really care to meet. Other of you probably thought, well, somebody else will respond and it's not really for me. I don't know them. That could be super awkward to just show up. And so you held back from offering. Now, I think we all have felt those emotions before. I don't say that to call people out as much as just to say, this is going to be different. But this is where the rubber meets the road. And like I said before, the best way to learn to have all things in common is to actually practice it, is to actually have all things in common. So this morning, we're not only going to listen to the needs of the community, our hope and what we've been praying for is that we're going to respond to the needs of the community. And some of it may look like that. A need may come forth. Somebody may use the mic, say what it is, and somebody can stand up and do it. It might look like somebody stands up and say, I really need prayer for this situation. And if you feel the Spirit leading you to pray for that, if you have dealt with that, if you've been where that person is before, if you have not, but you just feel that nudge, stand up, grab that person, take them to the foyer, take them to a back corner, pray for that person. Let us be a community that responds to needs this morning. So that's what it's going to look like for the next uh, little bit. And we're just going to wait and see how the spirit moves. Uh, we're going to have a mic that's going to be going around. And uh, if you feel led to stand up and share a need, um, let me just throw this out. That need may be met instantaneously, just like we witnessed here. Or that need might be met where we say, I'll give you an example here in a minute, Erin Cooper, who just shared. She's raised a lot of support. She's $100 to $150 short per month before she goes. Now, let's assume she stood up and shared, hey, I'm about $100, $150 short per month, and then I'm booking my ticket and I'm in Australia. Now, it might not be that everyone in that moment jumps up and goes, yeah, I'll support you for this amount. But you might text her, you might text us, you might email the church, you might write a note down and hand it to one of us afterwards, and that need will be met by the end of the time. Does that make sense? It also might mean that there's someone who shares something, and then you kind of go, ooh, I don't know if we can meet that right now. But as we as a community start to live into this idea, our hope and dream is that it will be met. Make sense? So Tyler's going to play a little in the back, and uh, we're going to have a mic, and uh, maybe Sean or someone can run it around. Here's the mic up here. And uh, just feel free to stand, 
share what the need is, and then we'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak and move uh, in a way that only He can. And then after a few minutes, we'll, uh, we'll stop, and then we'll uh, enter into communion together. Let's pray as we lead into this. Holy Spirit, our, our prayer as we've led into this morning is for boldness. Our prayer is that you would fill this place, Lord. You would give the faith for people to speak needs. You would give the faith that people would step out and meet needs. God, may what happens in the next few minutes be a beautiful expression of having all things in common living lives with open hands, of our stuff and our resources and our time, seeking for the betterment of others. God, this is a time of worship to you. May it be a time of worship to you. May what happens here be a beautiful, beautiful sound in your ears. We give it to you. We pray for your movement. We pray that we would all be encouraged and challenged and pushed this morning. Be in this place. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Did you feel led, Sean? Just going to come around and... There's been about 68 to 80 kids at Young Life Club, and uh, something that was on my heart um, was for my husband and I to do a small group, and um, at this point it's every other Sunday, and I really wanted to have it at our house, um, but there's a transportation concern, a transportation issue in um, getting folks, uh, the Gonzaga students from our house, because I really wanted them to have a, um, eventually I'd love to have them have a meal at our house and then have a small group time and, um, and then head back to campus. So there's um, four times this fall that we have left to meet, because we're just meeting every other week, but um, I don't know if anybody on a Sunday afternoon would be willing to ferry Gonzaga Young Life um, students from GU on the South Hill, but um, it would be, it's a great group of students, and it would be giving them um, a chance to explore their faith more, and I suppose what makes me kind of teary this morning is the second half, um, which you all um, can't necessarily meet, um, well, I guess I shouldn't say that, um, we have a freshman daughter over in Boston, and I hope that something develops for her where she can go uh, for a small group or to somebody's house or, or something. So I'm praying for that for her and then just um, happy to be a part of the um, Gonzaga Young Life. So that's, that's it. About, about how many uh, people need to get transported? At this point, um, there were 48 that signed up, but I think we're going to probably end up around, um, we're at, only a dozen showed up the first time, so I think it's going to end up being maybe a couple dozen, yeah, okay. 12 to 20, okay. so, and it, the, the small group time itself is only about an hour or so, so maybe it'd be like an hour and a half for the meeting time if we're know eating and meeting and then heading back to campus so um so anyway that's it so it's just sunday 
just every other week. Starting um, starting at what time? Yeah, um, two o'clock, and it starts in two weeks. Um, starting in two weeks. Yeah. Every other week. Every other week. So before. You tracking? Christmas, We're tracking, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and we now, need about maybe five to six, depending on if you have a car or a minivan. Okay. And um, a couple of those Sundays are Seahawk Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> but you okay, could so Tebow. Like, you could Tebow. A commitment of about two to four in the afternoon on Sunday, every other Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's do this. Let's just uh, if you can meet that need, if you can in a tangible way do that, find your way over to them at some point. It could be right now. It could be during the rest of this time, it could be at the end of service, and exchange information, and let's see if we can, we can meet that need. And then, um, my daughter's name is Emily, over in Boston, so Emily. if you want to Can we have, like, three her. people right now commit to pray for Emily, okay? Awesome. Three people praying for Emily to find a small group and be connected in Boston. Awesome. Someone else, share with us. First one's done, it's eased the tension. We can keep going. We got one right over here. So my request actually is much less for myself and more for my mom actually. Um, Over the last two years she's been battling with fibromyalgia and it's been really crippling to our family. And yesterday I got a text that she's felt the best she has in two years. Um, and almost no pain at all. So um, I guess more of it's just prayer that that continues, that she can get back to how she's been before. So. Your mom's name? Uh, Teresa. Teresa. Yeah. Teresa. We get three people just to, over the next week or two to commit to pray for Teresa. At one, two, three, right there. And if you need more details or information, Thank you. see him right after. Yeah. All things in common. Yeah, right here. Hi, um, I'm a visitor here, but I already saw a need today, so I thought I would share it with you. Um, I thought it was really nice that you had a long sharing time of just greeting each other, but I also noticed that that can be a very lonely time for some people, and I think it would be great if instead of just greeting the people that you know, that you look for someone you don't know and go up and greet them and talk to them for a little while. Thanks for sharing that. It's a good reminder, and that doesn't just have to be done at the greeting time, but after service. It's another perfect time to find somebody that you don't know. Greet them, welcome them. Good, thank you. Uh, All right, Um, my need isn't for me, but it's it's to kind of, I guess, direct attention. So. also trying to foster a pattern of openness. Um, my dad committed suicide when I was two. And so um, I grew up without a dad. And only it was at, actually at this church a few weeks ago, it was this summer, that I was singing. And I first realized that, like all of the widows that they talk about in the Bible, that is my mom. And <laughs> this is hard for me. <laughs> um, all the fatherless that they talk about in the songs, that is me. And um, I was talking with my mom at the beginning of the summer, and um, she was like, well, it was really difficult to work and to raise two boys and to just manage a household all by myself. And um, the church never asked if I needed help. And purely based on just the New Testament alone, if you just take the words literally, no interpretation needed, that's not okay. And um, so if you guys know any widows, Ask if they need anything. Ask if you could just come over and make dinner for them once a week, especially if they have kids, because it's really difficult. And um, that's something that I'm still struggling with. It's something that still racks our family. And um, yeah, so just be attentive to the widows. It's sometimes it seems like an archaic, an archaic need, but it's still very much alive. Is there is there something we could do? to demonstrate to your mom in a tangible way that we care? <laughs> right, yeah, I know. 
Yeah. Um, we'll do something for this next week. Let's talk afterwards, okay? What else? All things in common. One here, one here. Yeah, middle first. This makes me uncomfortable talking in front of people, so... Um, <laughs> I don't really have something that I need with, but I have something to offer, I guess. Um, I struggle a lot with meal planning um, for my, my son and my husband, and so I kind of have started that, and uh, it's once you get the hang of it, it's really easy. But um, So I have started meal planning with three meals a day, two snacks, and it's a really great way to foster healthy weight loss if you need it, um, but I'd be willing to share it, I guess, like do an email newsletter once a week, if awesome. anyone was interested in that, I know it's helped my family a lot, so. That's great. I could awesome. If you, if you hear that and you go, man, I, I could use that, I'd be interested in learning more, connect right after the service, okay? Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Right over here, Sean, is another one. I'm Judith, um, and this January I'll be going to Bulgaria for four months, and I just really need people um, to help me get there, and then to also just be praying for me as I learn like a completely new language, which isn't my strength, so I'm stepping way out of my comfort zone, and so I just need a lot of prayer and then just support. Judith, you and I met about two weeks ago to talk about your trip, and yeah. um, we talked about just the spiritual things that you're hoping for. Maybe give us one prayer request about what you're hoping God does in you spiritually while you're in Bulgaria. I'm hoping God just, um, you guys can pray that God would just be making me bold. I'm not a bold person, as you can probably tell. I'm like terrified right now. <laughs> and I just really, that's one thing that I really want God to do in my life is just empower me and make me bold um, and not scared or nervous about just sharing his, his love and his story and his words with other people. Can we have uh, just a couple of people who would commit right after the service to go meet with Judith to pray for her right then for boldness and then to just see what other tangible needs can be met as she makes her way? Maybe one or two people here and over here. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Someone else? Yeah. Sean's getting his workout now, too. So, uh, most of you probably know me. I'm Kathy and Asia's son, uh, unless you're visiting. Uh, my mom is uh, an amazing mom. She does a lot of stuff, and she recently just got a promotion, which is great, but it puts a lot more work on her as well. And last night, even she kind of just got in the mode like, ah, I don't care what you guys do, you don't listen to me anyway, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> crazy mode, which, uh, yeah, isn't, is, yeah, isn't necessarily fun for anyone, uh, especially her, so, uh, <laughs> so I guess I'm just praying that she can get through all of the hard workload that she has, and dealing with us as well, because we're not the best kids in the world, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just, if I can have some people pray for her, that'd be great. A couple of people want to commit to pray for Kathy. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Nathan, think through how you can help with it, too. I won't, I won't share too much because I shared earlier, but um, yeah, I would just love prayer. Um, it's hard to transition out. I'm going to miss this place and miss the family that I'm staying with. And, so much here, but I am excited to go, and um, yeah, just so excited to serve and see college students really trust Christ. Um, so awesome. So um, yeah, I do need $147 monthly. Um, that's it, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, it's been a long journey, but if you could meet that, that'd be just so awesome. 
and then I could focus on transitioning out this last month and um, yeah, be hundred percent with finances. So yeah. Okay. Discovered, Aaron. And if you if you want to meet with Aaron afterwards, let's let's pray over her today as well, and then make a commitment to be praying for her as she transitions out. Aaron, we met. Um, in We'll go to these two next. We met uh, just two weeks ago to talk about the transition. This is, a, I think, a good reminder for all of us. Being on mission always has a cost. Always. And it might be having to say goodbye to your family for a while. It might be having to say goodbye to your second family. I know that uh, she's been living with uh, Ben and Kayla Bunfield from this community. Saying goodbye to them is going to be really hard. And saying goodbye to your friends here. But... We need to continue to pray for her, that God surrounds her with people when she gets to Australia to provide that support. Yeah. Aaron, you now need $127 a month. I'll have you for 20 um, And two, would you appreciate it if um, people from this community, we could just send you letters about what's happening here, why this church is important to us. And I mean, if enough of us did it, and we'd each have to send a letter like, once a year or something so it wouldn't it, no overwhelming thing but just like an update and you could still be a part of it I, i'd be totally willing to do that just send you a letter can you uh can you coordinate with some people right afterwards sure. if you want to be a part of sending a monthly letter to aaron coordinate and let's get on a list and get that going cool that'd be awesome and then if maybe if like five seven of you right now would just get up and go where Aaron is, lay a hand on her and just pray over her right now. We'll keep we'll keep sharing. There'll be background noise, don't worry. Alright? So right now, if five to seven of you would just go and pray with her and lay hands on her. And, and then I think we have another one sharing right here. Yeah. We'll take a couple more this morning. Um my husband and I are Whitworth grads and uh, newly married, but uh, we've been really blessed by this community to have a really awesome small group. Um, and I don't know how many college students are hooked into something like that right now, but um, we were always also really blessed by a group called Contigo that we had here. Um, just having like family to go to in college. Sorry, I'm just this is all emotional to me. It's awesome. But um, uh, Russ and Kevin have our numbers, and if you ever need a house, we have an extra bedroom to stay in. Not long-term or anything like that, but if you ever see them. <laughs> Unless they know you or something, but <laughs> if you ever just need a weekend away or a meal at someone's house, we are always available for that. So, just so you know. That's great. Thanks, Thanks Jocelyn. Yeah, we've uh, got one here, one, one here, here, one here. We'll, we'll end with these four, I think, time-wise. Okay, so if I point it at you. Stand at some point and he'll find you, okay? Hi, I'm Julie, um, and I was just talking to Amy at the break, and they are actually moving today, is moving day, she said, so I'm sure if a few of us could come alongside and just help move a few boxes, that would help. Be awesome. Who's willing to help move today for a couple hours? Okay. A couple, three, four, so you can coordinate either with Julie or with Amy. There's one here, one there, and one here. Hi, my name is Sarah. I really don't like doing this, but um, I feel led. My dear friend, Peter, he killed himself a year ago tomorrow, um, and I just feel like his family um, and those close to him need prayer for support and comfort and the safety to be vulnerable during this time. Let me pray for that right now. God, we ask that you would be with Peter's family. I know that it has ripple effects far beyond the family, to friends, and to people in the community, and many people that knew this family. God, I just ask that you would bring healing. Anniversaries are hard. Times when you have to relive certain moments can be devastating. I pray that you would bring a peace that only you can bring. I pray that you would bring a comfort, that you would be, as we were just reading in Matthew 25, that there would be a presence felt, that there would be a sense that you are with 
and that as we as a body are with them, that they would also feel your presence through the community. So that's what it is. It's us being your hands and feet. It's us making a difference. And God, I ask that you would just work in that situation and be with Peter's family and those close to them. We ask this in Jesus' name. I think there was one more here and one more here. Hey, so it's getting colder and colder, um, as you all have probably noticed. And it is my prayer that we can pray for the city of Spokane as winter comes. Um, and specifically the people that are homeless downtown. Um, in the past few years, I've noticed that they're really cold. And it just is really sad. And so I'm hoping that we can pray that maybe together we can give them warmth, be that words or blankets or scarves or hats. Um, but I think it'd be very cool if we came together over the next few months and kind of just went out downtown and gave. Can we have you coordinate something like that? There are several organizations that we are intimately connected with as part of New Community. And uh, we can find ways to help mobilize that. And if you can be a point person for us, that would be awesome. Okay, cool. Can Thank you do that? Yeah. Okay. Great. If you're interested in meeting that need, beginning to create some tangible need meeting within the community that doesn't have homes, see him right afterwards, okay? Last one right here. So I don't really like doing this, but through the past week, I've uh, been led to sorry deal with a lot of demons from my past, and it's hard for me to bring them up again. So I just ask for prayer as I deal with them. Can you guys surround him right now and start to pray? We're, just for the sake of time, and I probably the early church just kept meeting and kept going and it kept going. There were no football games or whatever. Um, and while I say that, let me say this. We were going to mention this later, but we obviously have a second service. And it happens right after this. And then they're going to come in and they're not going to know what's going on. And then we're going to go through the same thing. And then they're going to have the same look on their face that you did when we said, hey, we're just going to open it up and see what happens. And you've already experienced how the Spirit moves and how He answers needs and how prayer around people can change situations. And So we're going to do something crazy and just say to you, if you don't have anywhere to get in a hurry, stay for another one. See what happens in the second service. See if maybe... You were supposed to be here because you were supposed to hear this so that next service you'd be able to meet a tangible need. Maybe you were going to volunteer and someone else jumped in before you. And Obviously, there's all kinds of thoughts and emotions that you might be feeling at this point, but we want to just invite you that if you feel so led uh, to stay and participate in the second time around, we'd love to have you for that. What we want to do here is we're just going to transition. Uh, we're going to sing at least, I think, one song and just uh, kind of sing it as an offering to God and say, God, you've been moving among us. We want you to continue to move in our community. And we're going to sing that song next. And then we're going to do something we, we've not done in, well, forever that I've been here at least. Um, probably it's been six or seven years since we've ever had communion together at the same time. And if we're doing all things in common, instead of individually going and taking or taking communion together as a couple, we're actually going to be crazy and go old school and pass out the elements, okay? And uh, then together we're going to partake. So during this next song, just prepare your hearts even more for us to enter into communion together as a community and to have even the Lord's Supper in common. Uh, together. All right. Let me uh, let me end with one more encouragement too. This is hopefully for us not something that we look back on three years from now and say, "Hey, wasn't that cool that we did that three years ago?" 
We want this to become a regular rhythm of who we are, a regular rhythm of our culture here at New Community. This is best going to be lived out in small groups, but it can be lived out in this environment too. So we are praying through as a staff, as an eldership, what this might look like. The buckets are going to go around in a moment, and if you feel like you have a specific way to meet needs in this community, you can write those down on those tabs. Put it in there, and we'll keep you on a list to say, okay, when, when things arise, we know that there are people that are uniquely gifted in this community to meet those needs. I'm going to ask you and invite you to stand, if you would. We talked this morning about this idea of all things in common. And uh, I'm so grateful. I know we are so grateful to be a part of a community that listens to the Spirit and does crazy things when He seems to tell us to do it. And, And every time we do, He shows up in ways that were far beyond what we could ask or imagine. And this morning, we just want to close in prayer, but we're going to ask you to just link arms with someone next to you or hold hands or whatever is most comfortable. Just kind of span across the aisles, if you would. I think in Acts, there's this picture over and over about uh, the laying on of hands. And it it seems weird, it's not some supernatural thing where some power gets charged from one person to the next, but it's this tangible way of saying, I'm with you in it, I'm present with you, that together we are one, that we move from the idea of me to the idea of we. And our community and the whole body of Christ is to operate as a we. And this morning we began in more tangible and real ways to continue to live that out. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for how you move among us. The church that started in Acts is the church that is still alive today. That what you are doing there, you are doing now. That the miracles that you are performing are continuing. That the, the signs of your presence are still felt. That the tangible needs that were met then are continuing to be met today, that the power of your spirit is still alive and active, that we, your people, are a witness to the world around us of what it means to be one. And God, may we continue to live out this kingdom ethic. May we live out a life of oneness together, demonstrating what your body and what your blood has done to a community of people submitted to you. God, I pray for this next group of people that walks in that's a part of New Community to sense what happened in this service and to continue to see you move in the second service. And then far beyond this morning to continue to move in our community in very real ways. God, may your spirit be felt among us. May people in this city recognize that you are here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. He upholds you with his righteous right hand as you lean into this week having all things in common. You are dismissed.